0: You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott.
1: Welcome on into
2: the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, we're kicking off the season as Utes take on Florida Gators. We're joined by Brent Cianci from Pick 6 Previews. We're doing our breakout players of the year. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. What's
0: up, Ute Nation? It's good
2: to be back. And Scott.
1: Yeah, buddy, let's go!
2: Utah (laughs) football has returned. We are back. I think the last couple times we recorded, we weren't in the same room. We did over over Zoom, so this is the first time we were recording in person, and since the Rose
1: Bowl, yeah, it'll be nice. Cam's actually recording with clothes on, so it'll be. We had <laughs> yeah. to get going here. We
2: we've dusted off the equipment. How how was your off season, Ryan?
0: It's it's been good. It's gone. The summer's gone way too fast. I can't believe football. I'm I'm excited football seasons here, but I can't believe it's
1: already here. Summer just flew on by. am my summer cruised by because I had to go get a second job just to support all these NIL deals that the <laughs> Utes are putting out there. Oh, stop making yourself look so good.
2: We'll get into it, but I, yeah, I'm like you guys, I am stoked to to be back. This whole off-season, I worked tirelessly on the pronunciation chart. And
1: you said tirelessly. <laughs>
0: did i screw that up <laughs> man I you forgot the l entire tirelessly i said tirelessly you did not use said tirelessly no. <laughs> it was like
2: tirelessly i honestly i i can't with you guys i said tirelessly
0: there you go yay he may- can.
2: May- maybe instead of working on the pronunciation guide from the media guy I should have <laughs> just worked on my just simple go with the English. dictionary <laughs>
1: Oh, he was
2: he's he's been working so hard on that, guys. This year I'm not gonna I'm gonna do better at
1: pronouncing names. Oh my goodness. I'm, do, I'm gonna it's do better. Good
0: that we all have goals, Kim.
1: But like one of one of my early mentors in life told me, always make sure your goals are attainable. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much. All right. Let's get into this. The, this is actually the, Cam's least favorite part of the podcast is breaking down player names and depth chart. I thought you were going to say the least
0: favorite part was showing up, doing it in person with us. <laughs> know, that is true. <laughs> at
2: least on at least on Zoom, I can block Scott. I can mute him. I can kick him out of the room.
1: No, but this is our, our eighth year doing the podcast. Eighth. It took one of our best sales job to get Cam back here. A big
2: thanks to all the support, um, you know, all the emails, the DMs. We appreciate it. Uh, it really helps helps keep this thing going. All right, Scott, you kind of mentioned this uh, as we kick things off. NIL is in full swing with Utah. There's a new, I guess, NIL club
1: deal. NIL well, what's about? Salt Lake, and I, it appears that most, uh, most teams throughout uh, a major college football have, uh, have started one. Obviously, some company has, uh, has cashed in big by um, really providing this platform for, for all college teams called uh, NIL Salt Lake City, where uh, essentially... Fans can go in and donate and get access to the players through message boards, through steak dinners if they donate enough um, opportunities. I believe there's a Zach Moss jersey uh, for anybody who donates a certain th- to a certain threshold. I'm gonna need to get a third job. Yeah, I know. I'm telling you, honey, I'm not coming home. I got I got <laughs> nil deals to uh, to to please here, but um, no, but I mean. Basically, what they're doing is they're giving fans the opportunity to get access to the program, access to players, film breakdown with players, which actually would be pretty cool to go sit, to, sit next to Cam eyes and be like, how do you do what you do? You know, and just yeah. kind of just see them. Why'd you throw that interception? Break down. what you see right there? You know, how, how do they prepare for a defense, right? How do, you, how do they game plan? How do they go and and self scout and 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 really just kind of get a, a glimpse inside the program? So that is a possibility. Um, with a few small, large payments to the NIL Salt Lake City monthly. So check it out. Um, but that is that's the, kind of the latest and greatest. You know what it kind of feels like. You know
0: when you're watching late night TV and they, the the sad music comes on. The sad music comes on with the. The abused dogs or the not cared for dogs, Sarah McLaughlin, and then they say for only thirty nine cents a month.
1: Na, 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 na. Will you remember
0: me? It's kind of what it feels na, na, like. Na, 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 na. You can meet
1: Kim Rising.
2: <laughs> That's what they need to do, and and it's like you know all the puppies are like crying, you know, like their crying face. That's what you do with all the players. It's like their little. Little tear coming down. They're
1: like battered in the locker room just waiting like for your NIL money. After
2: Whittingham's <laughs> berated them.
1: Well, and especially after they travel down to Florida and have to deal with that humidity, <laughs> they're going to need all your NIL money. All right, you fans, pony up. No, they're no. all going to need air conditioning units in their <laughs> apartments when they return. It
2: it uh, we're joking, but it, that's it's pretty cool. And uh, what you're saying, Scott, kind of pull the curtain back uh, for fans.
1: I mean, it's no built bar, but you <laughs> oh, know it's pretty good. Gosh.
2: They came out the Cougar Maple Donut Bar. Oh my gosh! Did they really? Yeah, like you know their what's that called? What's their like twelve foot long donut that they have down there? It's I the Cougar Tail. Cougar Tail. I guess they made a built bar. That's a cougar. Is cougar it the tail.
1: same length? Because they're clearly over exaggerating. <laughs> they probably all drive big trucks too. It's the biggest built bar I've ever seen.
2: King size! Get your king size.
0: Oh man.
2: We've gone off the rail. King
0: size cougar tail. Well guys, we're back. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we've never left. That didn't take long, did it? <laughs> it did.
2: <it>, yeah. <laughs> Alright, so the the depth chart got released uh Monday morning.
0: It's about
1: time. Anything stand out to you guys? The fact that we got one. <laughs> That's what stands out.
0: I mean because what's Kyle's doing <laughs> with this program?
1: Kyle's trying to ruin the program. He, he's trying to ruin fandom for folks and Cutting off access, so somebody must have somebody must have leaked this against his will, is what I'm convinced.
0: <laughs> it it gives it definitely gives guys like us something to talk about, but but in all reality, I mean, some of this is probably accurate, but some of it's just let's put it out there, let the media run with it. But really, it, there's guys that we know are going to get playing time that aren't even on the two deep. Like Gabe Reed, where's he? He was a big time transfer. Kafusi, yeah, Kafusi's not on here.
1: So there, yeah. I mean, let's be honest. I think obviously, there's truth in certain positions. Obviously, Cam Rising's your starter, right? I think offensive line, most of those are are going to be your starters. Uh, But there's definitely some of these some of these positions you're going to see shuffling by game number two, by game number three, and things are going to fluctuate. Uh, and, and quite honestly, I'll bet you even in Florida, there's going to be guys that start that are not listed in the number one position on this depth chart because the intern's intern is probably who put this together. <laughs> but nonetheless, it's good. It's good to have it. Let's It's fodder for you fans right now. So let's go. Let's break it.
0: Well, that... Well, so that tight end that transferred out of Idaho, the big guy, he's he's not even playing tight end. He's playing fullback.
1: Ryan worked on that joke all <laughs> off season too.
0: Had
1: <laughs> yeah, the same result as Cam's.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Logan Kendall, Logan, how do you feel about a, a, a fullback being listed on the depth chart? What does that tell you,
0: especially when there's four starting running backs?
1: <laughs> or 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 or. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, Tavion's your guy. If Tavion has early season woes like he did last year where he can't hold on to the football, obviously, Jalen Glover and and Bernard are going to be primed to step in and get some carries if needs be. But Tavion, assuming he he's ready to go, he's in game shape and can deal with the hurricane of humidity, I think, uh, obviously, he's he's your guy. Um, behind cam rising, first series down in Florida. What what other offensive standouts? What what, what where did your eyes go?
0: I, I was honestly surprised to see Jalen Dixon as a starting wideout. Not, I mean, he's he's done some great things. He left the program for a bit. Came back. We hardly saw him at all last season, and boom, here he is. He's a starter.
1: I don't know what that says. Does that say yikes, where he may not be in great position, or does that mean like he's legit? Because we, we've seen moments of Jalen Dixon that are pretty good, yeah. and he's a deep threat. Which is funny that he's uh, he's such a deep threat as small as he is. Mm-hmm. But but he's got speed, and he can stretch that defense. And obviously, that's what they're going to probably continue to utilize him in. Now, can can he develop his game where he's not just the, the deep threat? Because at some point, people, defenses turn on film and go, this guy only runs the deep ones. Mm-hmm and and they know what he's going to do. So he's got to develop his game where he's running routes all over the field and he's a threat and it's not oh oh they just put this guy in they're going deep.
0: Oh for sure. But uh, you know there's been a lot of talk this fall also with um Money Parks really stepping up and obviously he's listed at number 2 uh behind Vale, but I kind of I kind of thought he'd be a starter over Dixon.
1: Well, I mean And I guess it goes down to right the what position they're going to be playing out of, Um, and and are they interchangeable? Do these guys, you know, can they go and play different uh, different wide receiver positions? But I mean, just like most years, you're going to see a lot of rotation. Um, You know, Money Parks, Makai Cope, and even that Tau Johnson, uh, the uh, freshman from Idaho, who's obviously right behind Jalen Dixon on uh, on the depth chart. You're going to see a ton of those guys. Which I'm glad to see, because we've been hearing a ton about Money Parks, we've been hearing a lot about Makai Cope, and I want to see what those guys have. Are they game ready? Can they go out and can they produce early and often? Um, Because obviously, we know we got in Solomon Enos, and I I think we have a pretty good idea of what we have in Devon Vele. Very productive guys, but... Can they can they take the passing game to the next level outside of your tight ends? And see, I think that's the biggest thing is we can look at the wide
2: receivers, kind of nitpick, you know, who's starting where. I really think in this offense this season the tight ends are gonna be the feature guys in the passing game. I mean, do I expect Brant Keithy or Dalen or, or Dalton Kincaid to to run those fly routes, to go deep? No. But I honestly think that they're gonna get the majority Of the catches for the team this year,
1: but you know what else they're gonna get? They're gonna get a majority of the attention from the defense too.
0: You've got to be able to spread the ball around. These wide receivers have got to perform, or it it limits what you can do with the tight ends. We know Kincaid and Keithy are studs, but if you don't have wide receivers that can get open or catch the ball, it really doesn't do you any good. Well, I know, and I'm not saying that, that Utah's gonna be
2: one dimensional. Where they're only going to go to the that's tight, what I heard tight you ends. Say. I hate
1: you, Ryan. <laughs> oh, his hate is spreading. <laughs> but I think when we
2: talk about, I was just, my whole point where I was coming from is we can look at the wide receivers, but within that, you have to include the tight ends.
1: Oh, for sure. Because they're going to be a big part of the game. But what, I guess my point is you read on pick six previews, they talk about Utah and their 12 personnel, even their 13 personnel with with the tight ends, right? I'm listening to, uh, I, was, I believe it was Shane Matthews' play-by-play for Florida today on the radio talking about Utah's tight end. Florida's got to focus on the tight ends. Everybody knows Utah Utah's offense right now is known for what they're doing with the tight ends. And so there is going to be a focus. We've got to slow these tight ends down. We've got to do that, which should open up the run game, and it really should allow these wide receivers to flourish. And because Kincaid and Keithy are going to get so much attention from the defense. They're going to get double teamed. And it's going to allow some of these young guys, these inexperienced wideouts, to go and produce. And, and they're going to get opportunities. If they're going to get double
0: teamed, these wide receivers are going to have one-on-one. Yep. On
1: the outside. So Jalen Dixon, don't drop it.
2: Switching over to the defensive side of the ball.
1: But well, you don't want to talk offensive line? I know that's like you're Bread and butter. Well, do you want to talk offensive of line? All right, moving on. <laughs> I think the, the kind of the
2: big one stood out to me. Connor O'Toole backing up Van Villinger. The right end.
1: Tell you, Kyle's been Kyle's been pubbing him. I love I love seeing Jonah Ellis on the left end. I do too,
0: because he came on strong at the end of last season.
1: Yep. Yeah, he didn't play a ton,
2: but when he got in, he had some meaningful Dude. some meaningful plays.
1: I'm excited boys for this D-line. Oh yeah. This D-line has a chance to be really really special. We know what we have in 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 uh in Van Fillinger. An absolute stud and I expect to see him just take it another step. Now he is going to be kind of the the focal point offenses are going to look at, right? But he's got a chance, I think, for a big year. Jonah Ellis showed so many glimpses as a young kid. Now another year in the program, more weight, more muscle. Um, I think I think he's got a chance. But our
2: tackles, are you kidding me? Can I just say junior Tafuna? Is, he was <laughs> is so
1: freaking good. And and Tennessee Pututau. Who was a starter two years ago lost his job last year, and now Kyle's saying he's just been like a madman in fall camp.
0: But look at Tafuna though; he's listed at six three, three hundred, and that dude moves.
1: Yeah, well, he was recruited to Utah as a linebacker. I mean, that's just how big he's grown, and and uh, I'm I, I, I'm really excited. I mean, obviously behind Tafuna, you've got Ali, Aliki Viamahi, who got a lot of time last year? He was starting at in certain games towards the end of the season last year. And so you've got a ton of depth. You've got this D line has a chance to be special. And again, for Utah to make the playoff and make the type of run that they want to, it all starts on line play.
0: Well, there's also been a ton of talk with Miki Sugaturaga. I mean there's they there's yeah. pretty highly of his potential. Mm-hmm.
2: But if you look across the board on that D-line, it's sophomore, sophomore, junior, sophomore. They are young, but there's a lot of
0: experience in that youth.
1: It's called an uptick in recruiting, baby.
0: Pac-12 championship and Rose Bowl, do you? No, do you it's
1: good? it's uh, this D-line has got a chance to be really special. Obviously, we kind of skipped over the offensive line, but that's that's what's going to make or break. Utah's offense. Well, we saw it last. We year. We saw it last year in the first three, three games, games. They couldn't block. They're s- terrible. Anybody? I mean, it was that San Diego State game was absolutely comical. How bad they were, mm-hmm. and and you saw that. Obviously, getting uh, getting kind of a more cord- uh, m- mobile quarterback in Cam Rising obviously helped. I think they were really trying to get Brewer hurt. They they looked <laughs> like they were. They looked like they were. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't think they were very big fans of Brewer, just based off their blocking abilities.
0: Well, clearly, because as soon as Rising was the starter, like they remembered how to block.
1: Harding. Uh, Harding remembered. Uh, well, and Harding friggin' wins the was rated the number one offensive line coach at the end of last year. Are you kidding me? And after. Three games in, we wanted him
0: fired. It was based on a
2: curve,
1: <laughs> yeah. Where it was at the beginning, of I the want season that. The I, how come I never got that teacher in high school? <laughs> that is one mean curve. But I mean, c- credit to where it's due, right? They were pretty darn good to end the year. Oh, they yeah. were freaking they were amazing, really good. And that was a one heck of a transformation from that offensive line. But, Problem is, you can't, you can't have, you can't wait for it this year. You got to be ready, game one. The mm-hmm. the benefit though is. All of these
0: guys played last year outside of comp because he was he was injured all year, but all these guys got playing time at some point, so there's some cohesion there, there's some game experience um uh, i
1: I really don't anticipate coming out of the gates like they did last year well and and there's there's some people who think comp's an NFL guy. he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. So if he can stay healthy, I mean, you're putting him right there at the right tackle. I like that. Six five three oh nine. That is one big dude. Yep. No, I mean it's it's huge. So I mean, it's just like any team, right? Your line play really dictates how successful you are. Stopping the run, controlling clock, getting getting the offense off the field, and offensively doing the exact same thing. Controlling clock, running the ball. Every team requires that. But it's going to be absolute key for Utah to get into that playoff, win the Pac-12 again. Our lines have got to be really, really good. And they got the, I'll tell you, they got the potential to be really, really good.
2: Uh, jumping back over to the defensive side of the ball, Lander Barton listed as a starter at stud linebacker. True, I am so excited true to see that
1: kid. I, I'm excited to see him too. Just, Let's go, man! Just
2: everything that you know we we've heard about him. I mean, obviously we've all seen him uh, in high school ball here in the state of Utah, uh, but just things we've heard since he's been in the program from from Kyle, from Morgan. I think for me, defensively, that is the one, dude. I am, I just, I just want to see him go out and fly what he can do against against the well, Gators.
1: And I mean, your starters: Lander Barton, Muhammad Diabate, and Karini Reed. And behind that, you got it behind Reed. You got another true freshman in, in Justin Medlock um, behind Diabate, You got Mataafa, who's been in the program for 12, maybe a Baker dozen years. Um, and then behind Barton, you got Hayden Fury who's been in the program a number of years too, and just continues to kind of just earn position. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I personally have kind of, Thought he was not going to be a factor, and he continues to be a factor. And so this linebacking um, young, but I'm I'm really excited to see what they can do because that's insane talent right there. Oh, so
0: Reed, we we saw glimpses of his potential last year. He he played when some injuries started happening. He got he got his net number called, and he he showed up. And I, obviously, he's going to be better this year with a year under his belt. We haven't seen much of Diabate
1: play, but he's got a lot of game experience. Um, Well, yeah, I mean, 17 starts in the SEC. Now, Charlie Brewer, or not Charlie Brewer, who was uh, was before Brewer? Who was the SEC? Bentley. (laughs) Bentley. Jake Bentley. (laughs) Jake Bentley kind of ruined my SEC transfer love, but (laughs) but I'm giving Diabate a second chance here. I mean, he knows the Gators. Obviously, going back to the team... That you just transfer from, he's personally gonna want to just send a message to those guys. He's mm-hmm. gonna want his name called all night long. I expect him to have a big game.
0: Moving to the secondary, we got Travis Broughton coming back from injury. That's huge.
1: Yeah the the famous throw up gift guy. <laughs> I forgot that was him. Huh? And he he's he needs to be. More well known for his play on the field than for his gifts, so it's time. It's time for Broughton to show up. Obviously, we know we got in Clark Phillips. We kind of, we really know we got in Malone Mateelli, RJ Hubert, safety position. What do you think, RJ Hubert? I mean, he he, he was a big thing in twenty nineteen.
0: He he's got a lot. He obviously a ton of potential, but. He the last two years he cannot stay healthy. He blew what well, he blew his ACL in twenty nineteen, and then in the spring game last year he blew it again. Yeah, I we'll we'll see. And the the guy backing him up's got a ton of ton of pub coming in. So, uh, I
1: think- like go go gadget back there, like Clayton Isabel, six two, apparently has like a wingspan of like. The red tail hawk that flew away <laughs> from Rice <laughs> Eccles six or seven years ago, and then obviously we know what we got in Cole Bishop. The Bishop is back, baby. Cole the Bishop, Bishop is back.
0: Super and excited in, for him. And in pick six previews, Brett has him as a first team Pac twelve. He's
2: got the potential. Ago. I mean, as
1: a true freshman, the guy was lights out last yeah.
2: year, and he missed a ton of um, off season as a freshman because of injury.
1: Yeah, but but again, I mean, D line good. Linebacker should be really good. It's that secondary. Can the secondary hold up? I still have Rose Bowl flashbacks. I am I am glad to see Bernard's not listed on the two deep. <laughs> Love you, dogs. <laughs> good to see Zavaya
0: Vaughn and Fabian Marks there. in the... Vaughn—that's a guy that we missed really him really brutally in that Rose year. Bowl. Well, oh, he was big in. The, in the Pac-12 championship game, well, that's when he got injured. And
1: until the, yeah. and, and, I mean, that was what was so unfortunate. The game's over; it's like two minutes to go in the game, and he gets that unlucky injury, man. And oh, how things would have been different in Pasadena had he been able <laughs> to to play. We may have held them to 440 yards of offense, <laughs> but that's that still would have been enough to win.
2: Okay, let's quickly look over at. Uh, special teams. I want to call out kickoff returner Bernard and Dixon, and then punt returner Devon
1: Vale. That that was a shocker to me. That I thought it was going to be Money
2: Parks, to be quite so honest. So did with I. You.
1: I really thought. I'm glad it's not Keithy though. <laughs> that was
2: that. Yeah, if you didn't hear that, was
1: Keithy was a name that got dropped. But how uh, often do Irby you see six return. five guys returning punts? So. I had this question on Twitter, and somebody, you uh, Blender, responded to me and said, "Maybe, just maybe, they don't really know what they have at punt returner, and they're they're focused on getting a guy who can just catch the ball. They're not worried about the return; just get somebody who can catch the ball, and that might be Vele, right?" your first time playing the position and you're going down to the swamp at night where there's humidity that's visual, <laughs> apparently. And... Yeah, they
0: put windshield wipers on their visors.
1: Yeah. Maybe Kyle's like, hey, let's just get a dude out there who can catch the ball. I don't care if he just falls over. Just go out there and
0: fair catch it every time. Yeah,
1: just catch it. We do not need a dumb turnover in this game. Just catch the ball. I don't know. That's a good theory. I like it.
0: I'm going to run with it. Very possible. But in in reality, though, do you ever see
1: six foot five dudes returning punts? The good thing is he'll catch the ball sooner because he's so much <laughs> closer to the ball. And <laughs> Give him a step. You know, Covey was so short, he lost at least an extra second. <laughs> So he had to be really quick. Vale <laughs> He didn't catch it underground. <laughs> vale Vele will be like just put his hand up and it'll be like row twenty three. <laughs> Save some time. You know what? That's analytics right there. <laughs> so no, I don't know. whether whether Vele is the guy for Florida and the rest of the season, or if he's just kind of a, let's let's just not mess up. Because let's let's not forget you fans, we are coming off a disastrous run of special teams outside of Britton Covey. And Britton Covey isn't on the team anymore to save Coach Shaw's job. <laughs> special teams was atrocious last year. Oh, yeah. Covey obviously had his moments, and he, he covered up a lot of blunders from that awful special teams we had what three four blocked punts the punt protection was we joke. had a few taken back to the house on us didn't we have two blocks? The, the rose bowl was lost because our punter couldn't even catch the ball to punt it was it oregon state they blocked
0: two two okay yep
1: one of I them tried we to back. erase that. One memory. of them we got back, but still couldn't convert into points. <laughs> S- and oh I, San Diego State blocked one. Uh, I can't recall off the top of my head. There there had to have been seven others, though. <laughs> I'm sure of it. <laughs> no, with Shaw would have been left on the tarmac last year if Britton Covey was not returning punts and kickoffs to cover up some of those blunders. It was so bad, so... Special Teams has a lot to prove this year. Devon Vale, baby, catch the ball. If he
0: drops a punt and somebody else comes in, your theory is nailed.
1: <laughs> okay. I don't want it I though I don't want to find out. Don't drop the ball. Catch it. I don't care if you fair, fair catch it on the two yard line. Don't drop the ball.
0: If he catches it on the two-yard line, he should be
1: shot for not letting it bounce into the end zone. <laughs> Don't drop <laughs> the ball. Let's put a sticker on the back of everybody's helmet. Don't drop the ball. Punters, punt the ball. Blockers, block. Oh, man. Football 101 from Scott. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm already revved up about You're special in mid-season teams. season form. <laughs> All
2: right, that's kind of our... Our thoughts on the depth chart that got released uh, Monday morning. And, you know, I mean, obviously, as we've said, like a lot of this stuff is just fun for the fans and, and for media people to talk about. Um, who really knows what's going to happen in Florida? And like we mentioned, there's a lot of guys that aren't on this that we fully expect to get significant playing time this season. It uh, looks like we have Brett Cienci from Pick Six Previews on the phone. So let's, uh, we'll head to a quick break when we come back. Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, Utah fans. Probably my favorite interview every time preseason, get the season started off right. Brett CNC from Pick 6 Previews, the best, honestly, the best college football preseason breakdown of every P5 is here with us. Brett, how are you doing, buddy?
3: Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. This is one of my favorite annual stops on my radio and podcast tour, and uh, it's been what four straight years together. So I'm I'm excited for this 2022 episode, and uh, really excited for your youths this fall.
2: Yeah, four straight years, Brett coming on, and honestly, like I said before, we get into everything. Go get his go get his book if you haven't gotten it yet. Pick six previews. Honestly, it's the only one you need. I know back in the day I used to get a couple of them and after two years doing that I was like why am I wasting my money on this other stuff Brett's got it all go pick it up but Brett let's jump into this you release your playoff prediction you have Utah in there how did you come to that
3: yeah well first off thanks for the praise there that's great to hear Uh, It's my 11th straight year doing pick six previews. The first 10 were digital only this year going hard copy. So that was pretty surreal seeing it come to life. And yeah, I don't want to bury the lead any further. I have Utah in my playoff bracket here for 2022. uh, The only publication nationally to do that. And um, if you're if you've been listening for a while, you might remember I did the same back in 2019. You know, Utah came into 2019 as I think they were 14th in the preseason AP poll but I went as far as to say that they're going to win the Pac-12 and make the playoff. And uh, you'll remember it was, it was quite a run. We made it all the way down to the last day, the last Friday night against Oregon, the Pac-12 title game came up short, but it was a heck of a run Uh, along the way. You got to interact and meet so many Utah fans. It's a passionate bunch. And uh, Hey, let's say uh, this time, I hope I'm right. I hope you guys proved me right this time. uh, I think it's a more complete team this time around. They've they've been to the pinnacle of the Pac-12 title. They've won it. Um, You know, you return a quarterback that's, all conference caliber. Uh, Morgan Scally, one of the best defensive minds in the game. You have all-American candidates on both sides of the ball. Um, you know we can dig into position groups, but there's really just a lot to like. I saw Utah turn a corner in week three when they made the quarterback switch from Charlie Brewer to Cam Rising. Obviously the offense, but really the whole team came together. My game grader formula had them as playoff caliber with Rising as the quarterback. Uh, they would have finished fourth if it was if you're looking at just that sample size. So. Um, then you roll that into this year, another year of development together. And um, yeah, I mean, there's really a lot to like all around.
1: So coming out of the gates, Utah's heading down to the swamp, down to playing at Florida. Big game. Many are calling it potentially one of Utah's biggest games in its history. Now, obviously, you got, you've got you got Utah headed to uh, uh, the Final Four and, uh, and making the playoff. How pivotal... Is this game for Utah making it there? Can they still make it if they stumble out of the gate at Florida?
3: Yes, they can. And uh, you know, if you go down there, well, it it depends too with the the margin of of loss. But just say you go down to the swamp and you do lose a close one. It's it's physical. It's you know a hard nosed game, and you come up short. uh, That takes away the margin of error. Utah really has to to win out first off, and uh, and and do so in style. Uh, You know, a lot of multi, you know, a lot of double digit score wins uh, sweep the Pac-12, which no team has done since the expansion. Uh, So that's a tall task itself. And then win a rematch against either Oregon or USC, because without the uh, the North and South champions meeting again, it's going to be one versus two. And you play both of those other contenders in the regular season. So, yeah, it's a really tall task. If you lose the opener, Um, it's got to be perfect and then some on the way out. But it is possible. I, I think a one-loss Pac-12 champ makes it. So if, if it ends up being 0-1 and, and then 12 straight wins, I mean, that's still a 12-1 at the end of the year. So, um, But, yeah, I mean, and another thing to, to touch on the Utah playoff pick real quick was, um, you know, I watch about 50 spring games each spring, and uh, Utah really stood out for a couple of reasons. Um, one, just the physicality. I mean, you watch all these spring games, it's two-hand touch, it's thud. You know, the quarterbacks are in bubble wrap. You watch Utah, man. They're, they're smashing each other, smashing quarterbacks. There's face masks broken. It's uh, it's, it's intense. And then you see that, you know, that's kind of the character of the program. Uh, and then lastly, from the spring game, I saw this too. This is rare. Where normally the players that are interviewed, they give a couple one-word answers or they do coach speak where they say that they're getting better every day, blah, blah, blah. No, but Utah, the two captains, uh, Bran Keithy and uh, Makai Bernard, they looked right into the camera and confidently stated that their goal is the playoff. And it wasn't arrogant. It wasn't anything like that. It was just a confidence that they weren't afraid to tell the cameras, tell the nation. Uh, that's the goal. So um, I believe stuff like that. So so all, all that to say, that, that all factored in. I mean, Utah has always been a diamond in the rough program that I've called on to that a lot of national folks haven't yet. So I think this is just the pinnacle of it.
2: As far as the offense goes, you, know, you rank um the top 15 nationally for all the P5s. And one that really stood out to me was at the quarterback position. You have Utah at eighth in the country, you know, and I think a lot of that has to do with with Cam Rising. Well, what are your thoughts about Cam Rising? And really, as, as a Utah fan base that hasn't been known to have a great offensive team, it's mostly been defense, have carried this program for many years, what are you seeing when you're breaking down things that have you you know, put Utah and Cam Rising at eighth in the country for a quarterback position?
3: Yeah, in my uh, my national units rankings, with quarterback, I, I pretty much focus on the top line, the starter. Um, it's not so much about depth behind him, but it's really about Cam Rising. And um, I mean, there's a couple of things I touched on it already, but the contrast of the team and the offense with and without him, that was striking to me. I mean, they were a, a broken offense the first couple of games there. And, uh, and Rising comes in and completely unlocks the playbook and, uh, you know, is very poised as a, as a likable personality, from what I can tell, kind of rallied the offense in the locker room and uh, has moved it into a leadership role. And uh, that might all sound like buzzwords, but that stuff's important, especially at a place like Utah, where that's really the mantra of the program. Um, then you can look at stats, you can look at all that, and he's got it. So, um, and then when you look fast forward to 2022, he gets a complete backfield behind him. It's uh, three returning stars up front off of one of the top offensive lines, and then a uh, receiver core that only loses one guy, Britton Covey. And uh, a lot of lot of high potential. Some of these guys moving up the, the depth chart. So, um, basically, I see you know Utah being a playoff caliber or at least Pac-12 champion caliber team, and they have a star quarterback. That's good for top ten nationally in the quarterback category.
1: Okay, staying on uh, the quarterback position, Anthony Richardson down at Florida today. Kyle Woodingham talked uh, talked about him in his press conference. Compared him to Cam Newton just as far as his size his his uh, speed his athletic ability obviously he's a, he's a different type of quarterback than cam Rising um, but what what can you tell us about Anthony Richardson and really what can you fans expect to see from him um, and Florida's offense
3: yeah well uh, Anthony Richardson they his nickname's AR15 he, he's, uh, he's, he's really explosive I mean he's one of the most, most dynamic quarterbacks out there arguably the fastest quarterback in the whole country. I mean, he can crease an offense and go 80 yards. Uh, I saw it a couple times early in the season, back in September, uh, back when he was battling Emory Jones for the starting job, and and Gator fans were, were yelling at Dan Mullen to, to make the switch, put Richardson number one, and because um, he was clearly outperforming Emory Jones. And unfortunately, timing-wise, his first start came against Georgia, the best defense of a generation. And um, You know, had some injury problems, but really, when he has the ball in his hands, he could score from anywhere on the field. So uh going to have to be really disciplined on defense, maybe play some zone, um you know quarterback spy here and there, but uh yeah, if he gets loose it's dangerous. Uh in terms of passing, he has some room to improve. He was still a young guy last year. Uh just 59%, a bad touchdown to pick ratio, 6-5. Um you know, and learning a new offense here in a in, a new, in an offseason, a transition offseason to a new staff. So, raw potential is definitely there, but passing game has a lot to work on.
2: Looking at the defensive side of the ball, um, I know that's one area, you know, looking back over on you know, all your publications on Utah, you really highlight that, and especially with defense coordinator Morgan Scalley and I, I think you've had some conversations with him over the, over the years with that defense. You know, Utah lost a lot uh, in this draft to the NFL, you know, mainly Devin Lloyd, you know, their, their big star on defense. How are you grading this defense for this year for Utah?
3: Yeah, Devin Lloyd's a huge loss. I mean, you're talking about an All-American guy. He even got some Heisman votes from some of the West Coast writers, uh, deservedly so if you're looking for a top defender. Uh, So he's a huge loss. And then even some longtime veterans on that D-line, like Mika Tafua, also gone. Um, But, yeah, you you look down the the roster here. I know that they just released the the new depth chart for Week 1. There's still a lot of familiar faces and a lot of All-American candidates. You see Clark Phillips there, at right cornerback. I have him on my first team overall All-American defense, not just All-Pac-12, but overall. Um, and then Cole Bishop, he could push your All-Pac-12 honors. R.J. Hubert's a familiar name. Um, You know, he hasn't got m- many starts under his belt, but he was always in their rotation. I think all the way back to 2019, he was on that team that faced off against Oregon. I think he was injured. But, uh, you know, you have guys that have been around the program. And um, and then a linebacker, to, to get back to the Lloyd discussion, you do have Kareni Reed there and made the huge transfer portal move, bringing in uh, Diabate from Florida. I mean, you're talking about a guy two straight years as a starter, 17 starts under his belt in the SEC uh, against that very Florida team that he's going up against. So, um, but I, re- I think the real strength so far, at least on paper coming in, is the defensive front. Um, you know, have the, the Pac-12 freshman defender of the year there in junior Tafuna, and Van Fillinger led the whole conference freshman in sacks with five and a half. But on a higher level, I really trust the staff overall, their their prospect identification and the recruit game, their player development, their team culture, all the buzzwords, but it works here. Utah clicks. Uh, it's a hard-nosed defense. And then I love this one stat. I call them pick six U. Uh, my, my name is pick six previews on Twitter, but pick six U because 18, 18 straight years, Utah's had a pick six. Uh, by far the longest active streak. It's incredible. It goes all the way back to when Scaly was a safety, so. Um, you know, just a little note there, but yeah, it's fun to watch this team play, especially the defense.
2: Hopefully, the defense is a lot better than in the Rose Bowl <laughs> when they let <laughs> State just throw it all over on them. And granted, you know there's a lot of injury, especially uh, at that corner position. Uh, mm-hmm. But looking at, uh, at at your at six peaks preview again, you know one one thing that I love that I always look at whenever I get it is. Your rankings for developing talent, and Brett, I gotta pick. I gotta pick one with you. You always have Utah at like one. I think last year they were at two. Mm-hmm. You have them a little down this year. Still top ten, but <laughs> what's going on there?
3: Yeah, Utah really—they're sliding in this category all the way down. All the way down to a, a measly fifth uh, nationally. No, it's still, it's still <laughs> I
2: like, I like them at one, Brett. We got to get them at one, but maybe just, agree, agree. just kind of break down what you, uh, what goes into that grading system, and, and why you have your top five.
3: Yeah, for sure. So what I, what I like to do is I say that with recruiting, it's definitely important. You know, I think that out of a class of twenty five prospects, they're more right than wrong. And I think when you start to stack four and five years of recruiting classes, that has a lot of importance, but. That's just the starting point. I think that's where I differ from other folks in the you know in the pre the preseason preview magazine game is it starts at recruiting. that's not the be all end all. You know what happens those four or five years on campus with developing guys strength strength and conditioning programs, devising schemes that fit uh, player retention. That's one thing with this transfer portal era. Guys are leaving all these schools all the time, but Utah is retaining them and building them in the in the NFL or so uh, what this metric does it, it really just compares the raw recruiting rankings. Of a four-year span, and then the corresponding four years of NFL drafts, because um, something had to have happened there uh, in terms of when you're on campus. So, long story short, with Utah, I mean they they tend to recruit you guys know in the 30s or 40s, occasionally a a top 30 class, but they're producing some of the best uh, NFL draft pick numbers in the nation, especially in the Pac-12. So it's really just a comparison of recruiting rank versus NFL draft output, and for a couple cycles there in a row, Utah was far and away number one. Uh, they slipped in quotes uh, to fifth. I think it's a it's a twofold answer. One, because there has been a slight uptick in recruiting recently at Utah. Um, they're now drawing no, more towards that top 25 area than they used to be. And then secondly, with the COVID year, they retained a lot of those guys that could have gone pro and you saw them all back there. Now they're still there on, on the roster as older guys. So I think eventually you're going to see that class go to the pros and it'll, they'll get a little boost in my player development metric. But uh it's, it's, you know, it's nothing to be ashamed of being top five. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's more a testament to, to them recruiting at a better level now.
1: Well, so, so, I mean, recruiting rankings, obviously the staff factors into that, but conference affiliation, you know, plays a part. This off season was not your typical off season with, uh, you know, the news of UCLA, USC going to the big 10, puts kind of the Pac 12 in disarray or at least an unstable condition right now. Where do you see this going and how secure is Utah's future being at least in a in a in a good situation or a P5 situation at least?
3: Yeah, you know, this is one area where I'm so in the weeds looking at X's and O's and looking at players and watching spring games and writing this book that the the higher level things I I start to lose track of because it has become such a rumor mill. You go on Twitter and it's just all these rumors about dollar figures and, you know, Oregon's going there and Washington. You know, and and it turns out when the story breaks, nobody had an inkling of it. It was always completely hidden. Uh, Think of the Oklahoma, Texas example last cycle. Nobody saw that coming. And then this one, of course, USC, UCLA, that was, you know, no no one expected to see anything like it. So these things, they happen in the shadows. And, um, you know, it's mostly by the TV contract, uh, TV networks and the ADs. But anyways, long story short with Utah, I I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen here if we're heading towards uh, the Big Ten and SEC going to 20 teams each, 24 teams each. Uh, It really depends on the scope of that because those two have really emerged as the power players. Um, what I'd like to see is the, the the remnants of whoever doesn't get picked up by those two conferences to join forces as kind of a Big 12, Pac-12 merger uh, still retain some of that geographical footprint, if you could call it that. But rather than see some, you know, super scattered, you know, coast to coast league that the Big Ten's trying to do. But so I don't have too much insight there for you guys on that topic. Um, I Personally, I mean, my, my values aren't around the dollar like the, the big TV networks. I'm more about the football quality and the fan bases. and on those two, Utah definitely deserves a power five and definitely deserves to be in the upper tier of that, um, the upper half of the power five, for that matter. I mean, 70 straight sellouts, third most in the country, most uh, most active streak. That's a testament right there. And just the way that just how quickly they moved up from Mountain West to Pac-12 champs within a decade. So um, now I know that that's an, that's an ideal answer. Uh, that's football first. And I think that, as you can see, it's more about money these days, unfortunately. So. Um, I don't, I'd have to dig into like the TV numbers and all that, but it's a shame that comes to that because, um, Utah is definitely deserving.
2: And Brett, that's kind of what I wanted to ask you as someone who, you know, covers every single P five conference, just as you as a college football fan and, and someone that covers all these conferences, how do you feel about what's happening with these, you know, super conferences that, that they're creating Do you think that is hurting the product, making it better? Just as a fan, what are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, well, I think uh, it's important, my perspective, because I I don't, you know, I'm not the normal media person. I didn't go through the journalism school ranks. I didn't, you know, I wasn't a beat writer for a school for 10 years, but uh, I came with this from a fan first perspective. I mean, I love college football growing up. I I read all the preseason magazines and always thought they could dig a little bit deeper. So I wanted to make my own product. And uh, it's been uh, it's a one man show. It's totally independent, so I'm not really in that the real media sphere on this kind of thing. But uh, and for for that reason, I, I kind of side more with the fans and and the history, the tradition, the regionality of it. You know, understanding the common fan, how expensive it is to get to these games and and to pay for all the products and to pay for the the extra TV channels and and to pay for the recruiting services. Everything I, I know what goes into it as a fan. So to see the the sport really moving away from the fan more towards the the CBS, the Fox, the ESPN dollars, um, and making it kind of an NFL junior, it's really a shame in my opinion. So um, I'd rather it re- retain some of that, what made it unique. Well, we were all drawn to college football when we were little or when, we, when you first started following the sport. There was a reason we fell into love with it, right? And uh, now we're making it less like that thing that we first knew of. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty anti-conference realignment, if you couldn't tell. I think with each round of it, we lose a little bit more of that historic game. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I don't like the trajectory of it, but it's just the reality of the situation.
2: Hey, as a, a fan base that's getting affected with USC and UCLA leaving, I think we're all with you. I think everyone in the state of Utah is, is right there behind you on that. You know, some big news, I think, kind of broke on, on Twitter. I think it was last week. That really impacts you. Utah fans are going to be able to read you every week on KSL. And I know yeah. I'm stoked about it. Uh as a fan base, I think Utah loves to know what outsiders think of the program. Um and I think you're gonna be able to bring that. Uh, but can you just kind of you know let our listeners know a little bit about what you'll be writing, uh, where they can find it each week?
3: Yeah, sure. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited too. And uh a quick background on it is I'm based out of eastern Pennsylvania here. I've never been to the state of Utah. Uh but when I when I launched Pick Six Previews in twenty twelve, I I got my Twitter account and I quickly realized just how passionate that both these fan bases are, Utah and BYU. I mean, I would log on there be February and they're they're arguing about you know a national title in 19 uh, 1984 and these Heisman winners and conference realignment, who's in the big the Power Five, who's not. So I mean, I quickly caught a hold of how passionate it is for these people of uh, both schools. Uh, and then I started following them through the years, and I, I've always enjoyed their styles of play. There's a lot of overlap there. The coaching staffs have worked with each other, and the players all play with each other in high school and uh, there's just a lot there that I'm drawn to, um, you know, so so that's that's the preface of it. And then, uh, yeah, specifically for this season, uh dot uh, offered me a freelance spot, like a, you know, a weekly spot in season. I'll be covering one article for Utah, one article for BYU uh, each week of the season. And I'll be doing a game recap of the previous week, uh, not just the film review, but then throwing in my analytics, my game grader, my percentiles, everything. Uh, and then also a forecast to the next game coming up uh, with the same deal. The game grader, what I've seen so far on tape. So I'm really excited for the opportunity. Uh, and again, I'm excited mostly because I know the fans would be enjoying it. I know it's a, like I said again, it's passionate fan bases. I know they love college football content, and um, I'm happy to be able to have the opportunity to bring it to them.
2: No, oh, I think I think Utah fans, I think even BYU, I mean, as well as BYU fans, we're gonna love it. And um, like I said, like these fan bases love to get the point of view of the programs outside of the state of Utah. Um, and so having mm-hmm. you do that weekly, I, I know it's going to blow up. I'm excited for that. Um, real quick before we let you go, uh, where can people you know get get your book, find you on social media? Uh, where where can people go if they want to buy your book?
3: Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for all the praise for having me again. Um, you know, hopefully the youth's proved me right this time. And, um, yeah, it's picksixpreviews.com at Pick6Previews on Twitter. Uh, on the webpage there, I've got a couple sample teams so you can see what we're talking about in terms of the level of detail, the graphics, uh, what goes into it. Uh, some testimonials there, the college game day guys were hyping it up. Um, and yeah, so that's pick We do have the hard copy still, a limited quantity left here at the end of the end of the summer uh, as we head towards kickoff. But uh, we always have the digital available for instant download. And, uh, and yeah, and then the KSL uh, will be coming out weekly. And uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll get the link's tweeted out when they're ready. But um, yeah, excited for both that and the season. And, um, you know, like I said, hopefully you guys have proved me right. And we're we're talking uh, early December with a uh, Las Vegas bid and a, a playoff bid. Let's go.
2: dude. If, if Utah makes the playoffs, I want you back on the show and you can rub it in everyone's face. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Especially the you BYU fans. You, I'll do you one better. If Utah makes the playoff, I'll make my first appearance in Salt Lake City next year. We'll do it. I'll get oh, out yeah, there. buddy.
2: Yeah. Dude, All <laughs> right. But hey. Last question. I promise to let you go. Utah, Florida. How do you think that game will go? And do you got a winner?
3: Yeah, I think uh, so. With Florida, you have a high recruiting roster. They're top ten in recruiting. You do catch them in a transition season, and um, you know Billy Napier. He's uh, he's new to the Power Five level. I know he has some experience with Saban and Dabo, but as a head coach, he's new. Um, So you know, there's playmakers. They're physical. I see that Utah, the more prepared team, the more physical team. As hard as that is to say against an SEC team. But long story short, I'm, my pick is Utah 27, Florida 20. Um, that line is, I, sit, I think, sitting at three points for the road Utes. And I think they cover and win.
2: I like it. Brett, thanks so much, buddy. We'll be we'll be in touch.
3: Thanks, guys. Good luck.
2: A big thanks to Brent and CNC for coming on from Pick 6 Previews. Uh, we're up against a break. When we come back, let's kind of recap, break down uh, what we just talked about with Brett. All right. Brett honestly is, he's like a a Wikipedia of college football. The dude can just rattle off stats, players from all P5 teams. I'm looking forward to his articles every week on KSL. I think he's going to kill it.
0: I mean, honestly, the three of us love college football, but that dude has a lot of fair
1: with college football.
0: I mean, he he knows everything about every program
1: in the in the country. Well, and you, you you take what we know about Utah because we follow it 365 days a year, and he know he he's that detail oriented about all these programs across the country, and being able to provide information, stats, roster breakdowns, um, history, watching, and then obviously watching every spring game. I know, I know. Brett, how Brett? I I, he, I wish I would have asked him. How do you do that? Fifty spring games. I barely get through Utah's. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's phenomenal. But no, I mean it's just I mean the stat breakdown, his you know his game graders and and just how he puts these stats together and and the best part about about it is year after year it just proves correct. I mean it's so accurate and so I mean it's it's just fun to kind of look through this. And you can kind of gauge, and just quickly reading through his stuff, you can kind of get up to speed on some of these opponents that Utah is going to be facing mm-hmm. and just teams across the country. So, I mean, it's good, it's good stuff. Who doesn't like a guy who's going to pick Utah in the playoff <laughs> for the second time in three years?
2: A couple of guys on college game day picked Utah. Brett's, Brett's kind of leading the pack. Like he of leading said, like, the way. He, he was on Utah before a lot of the national media was
1: now it's just time for Utah to go prove it, baby.
0: Lee Corso, man.
1: We got the old man picking us. Somebody had to tell Lee Corso who to pick.
2: <laughs> we can really talk about Utah going to the playoffs. Utah's got to get this first win going down to the Swamp against the Gators and the Humidity. I don't know what's going to be a bigger factor, the Swamp, the Humidity, or Florida's football team.
0: Well, according to their fan base, they know nothing about their football team. It's all about the swamp at night and humidity.
1: Cool fact. Utah players have never seen humidity. (laughs) So we don't have that going for us, which is not nice. (laughs) No, obviously, yes, yes. Is humidity going to play a factor in how hot and hopefully we're not having cramping? Sure. But it's just going to play as big a factor as when they travel to Salt Lake next year and come to altitude, right? Is it going to have a factor? Maybe. Is it going to decide the game? No, it's not. Who's the better football team? Who takes care of the ball? That's where you're going to find out. Both teams have to play in humidity.
2: I, I will say I do love that Utah has been trying to mimic Conditions of Florida in their practice facility. (laughs) I
1: appreciate the
0: effort. (laughs) For those of us who have been to Florida, I mean, humidity is a real deal, and it—if you're not used to it, it sucks for a bit. But if they're going down two days ahead of time, they get acclimated a bit. And
1: football's football. You out there and play. Just drink a lot of Gatorade. I mean, that's the home of Gatorade, right? Pickle juice, right? Let's go. Just just sip it all all day long. You'll be fine. Let's go. Let's play some football.
2: But Florida's coming in. New coaching staff. It's really going to be interesting to see what, what this Florida team is. They last couple of years under Dan Mullen haven't been living up to what, I guess, Florida fans expect.
1: They were at six in the country at some, at one point last year. Until the wheels fell off and the shoe the shoe that came off that changed their season, but yeah, new new coach, new. I mean, as as Brett uh, from Pick Six Previews talked about, it is a transition year for for those guys. Tell me this: what program when you have a new when you have a new coaching staff, a new offensive style of play, a new defensive style of play comes out of the gates in game one rolling. Yeah,
0: I mean that's tough to do. I mean, obviously, it's an SEC school. They've got athletes, and they're gonna have some guys out there that are that can just talent wise and athletic wise can make some plays. But to execute a game plan of an offense or a defense that you have only run for
1: four or five months in humidity,
0: <laughs> you're not gonna come out at the top of your game.
1: No, they're going to be slow. They're going to have mistakes. This is my theory. They're going to have moments just because they they recruit so well and they do have I mean they're still a more talented roster than we are. But here's the deal. We've got the experience. We've got we've got a system these guys know have been running and are really good at running it. Florida's going to have their moments where they look really good. They're going to have some big plays. They're going to have some maybe even some momentum changing plays. But they're also going to have moments where they go three and out, where they look awful, where they can't get a stop, where they are a train wreck. They're going to have some real highs and some real lows being the first game against a really good opponent. And I think if Utah can take care of the football and mm, kind of weather the storm, (laughs) weather the storm, that was a good one, if he doesn't say so himself but if if they can i think Utah wins by two scores I if see. they can just do those basic things don't they're going to have their highs just don't let their highs continue for a quarter and a half right a drive or two and then and then rein it right back in. And don't do things that are gonna build their confidence. Right. You can't exactly. I mean, you can't go back to special teams. You can't drop a punt and give them a short field. You can't do stupid things that gives them life, that gives them confidence and gives them momentum and gets the swamp loud. Right? You gotta take care of business. Just play good solid. Don't get stupid penalties. Don't turn the ball over. I think if Utah can just do that, if they can play a clean game, I really think we win by two scores.
2: So I think the thing, you know, we're talking about how Florida, talented roster top to bottom, right? Utah's played against that year in and year out against teams like USC, where talent-wise, USC was significantly more than Utah on a roster. I'll fully admit that but where has Utah really beat them it's those fundamentals it's believing in a system it's playing within that system Utah went against Ohio State much talent more talented team and Utah went toe to toe with them till the very end of the game in the Rose Bowl and so i think with those experiences that's going to pay off for Utah against a florida team like this and and really this isn't Utah isn't going against the name on the chest of florida and that's i think i'm kind of getting on social media especially from that other fan base, is they just want to, because they're Florida, they're going to win type of attitude. And I really don't see that see that going that way.
1: Now, I, I mean, I I look at this Florida, and obviously I don't know them super well, but what you read, what you've seen, what we've heard, is this Florida team sounds a lot like Oregon. An extremely athletic, fast, dual-threat quarterback Who's got a cannon, but not super accurate, right? He's again, he's gonna have his moments where you're like, oh my gosh, did he just do that? And then he's gonna have his moments, and you're like, you just threw the dumbest interception I've ever seen, right? And and we saw that at Oregon, Utah's game plan for that very recently. A guy, how to how to keep a guy in the pocket, how to shut down the run game, and make somebody beat him through the air. So. I think that's what Utah's going to do again with Richardson. Yes, is he super athletic? Yes, is does he have a cannon? But I think Utah's going to say, we're not going to let you just run it all over, all over us. You're going to have to pass it, and you're going to have to pass it consistently all night long if you're going to beat us. And if he, if he can do that, then, we yeah, maybe we are in trouble. The well, question I'm, is, can he do
2: that? And that's really Billy Napier, the, the head coach for Florida, and the system he runs, is, is it's a run-heavy offense. What he did at Louisiana, kind of taking that from Alabama under Nick Saban. So to that point, if Utah can make them one-dimensional, make them beat them through the air, like you're saying with a hurricane Utah, I think he has a really good
1: chance. Yeah, they're going to run the ball. They're going to probably do a lot of RPO with the quarterback, A lot of do a lot of read option. They're going to try and get him out on the corners with his speed and athleticism. And and they're going to obviously take their shots when uh, when they're there and and and, uh, and moments and and obviously that's where our safeties cornerbacks got to be playing well. Don't let those big explosive plays um, out, especially on long third and long. We saw that a lot last year, right? Great on first down, great on second down. It was these third and longs we just gave up that just allowed drives to just continue and sustain. So. I mean, obviously there's a lot of unknowns in this game, but I I really think, man, Utah play just play solid. You don't need to be crazy. Just play solid Utah football. I think that's more than enough to come out of there with a win.
0: And they're not gonna walk into the swamp and be like overwhelmed, like, wow, this you know, we're playing in the swamp. I mean, they just came from playing in the rose. Bowl. Well if that's true,
1: then Gator fans are going to be sorely disappointed. Yeah, because <laughs> they think we are. They think we play in front of like twelve people. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I'm the swamp, eighty-eight thousand SEC. I'm sure it's a pretty intimidating environment, and I'm sure it's pretty raucous. But let's let's not pretend like Utah is just going to melt away as a result of that.
0: Yeah, environment matters. I mean, we know that Rice Eccles has sure. a home field advantage. But the the fans aren't the ones playing defense and playing offense. So if the team weathers the storm
1: and does what they need to do, that crowd is null. And those 10 or 12, uh, 12K twelve fans from Utah that are going down, let's hope they uh, they make Utah's presence well-known as well. So I don't know, man. I am excited. I am so bummed I'm not going to be there, though. Yeah, what too. an experience it would be to be able to go down there, and so to uh, to the ten to twelve thousand U fans, be loud. Good luck with the humidity. I I don't know what else to say, <laughs> but good luck on that one. But it's been a key. there's gonna be it's gonna be key that uh, we get some big guys, eat some young guys, cam to step up.
2: Oh, definitely be a, a team effort, and like what you said, Scott, a lot of young guys stepping up. And one thing we like to do every season uh, right before the first game is we go and pick our breakout players of the year for offense and defense. Ryan likes to cheat. (laughs) So can we, Scott, can you please go over the rules?
1: The ground rules? Yes. You can't pick existing Pac-12 or any All-Americans from the previous year, Ryan. They must be new to the program and have minimal playing experience. The year I picked Marcus Williams, there was there were no ground
0: rules. Okay.
2: And Marcus Williams is the first team all-conference player of the year before. There were no ground rules. And Ryan rules. picks him as his breakout player. I
1: know, I know. And you're right. There were not ground rules in place. We all just thought I just wanted common to win the competition. sense was
2: going
0: to I just win wanted to win out. the competition. <laughs> <laughs> So
1: I knew I
2: do need to give Scott a little bit of credit because last year he did have Tavian Thomas
1: as his offensive breakout player. Speaking to my good ear. <laughs> you guys don't know what that just meant to me. <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only time I'm ever going to compliment you, Scott. All right, so let's go ahead
2: and do our offensive players. Ryan, we'll start with you. Who's your offensive player of the year?
0: Drum roll, please. You're going to love this one. Transfer from Idaho, playing tight end. Was playing tight end, but apparently is now a first-time fullback for the University of Utah, Logan Kendall. Well, he is on the... The two deep at...
1: at uh, There's only one deep at fullback. He's the man. (laughs) I know, but I'm just saying he's playing multiple positions. He's got two options to break out. That's right.
0: So here we go.
1: That's (laughs) my guy.
0: Ryan's playing the odds.
2: Playing
1: the odds here. I got this one. Well, actually, you know whose job he's taking over? Cole Fotheringham. No, Joe Ludwig. (laughs) That's true. Remember? Joe Ludwig was the the fullback fullback last year. That's right. And, uh, yeah, I don't think he ever caught a touchdown. Bar's pretty low, Logan. Make Ryan proud. <laughs> Scott, where are you going? I'm going to the wide re- wide receiver position. Um, behind Jalen Dixon, so he could be a starter pretty quick. <laughs> I'm going with my guy, Tao Johnson. Speedster out of Idaho. It's going to stretch the defense. I think I think he's going to surprise some people this year. Number number five. Let that be known. Keep it. Keep an eye for number five, and keep him in your heart. <laughs> number five in your program. Number one in your heart. Oh, he will make gosh. a big influence, not only on the field but in your life.
2: I'm sticking with the wide receiving group as well. I'm going with Makai Cope. Yeah, I think it was a big time recruit uh last season uh got a red shirt this this past year saw a little bit of action uh but i, I honestly I, I this when you look at the offense so many guys are established um
1: there's not you know, a lot it, it's going to be hard there's not a lot of opportunities yeah, it's to uh, it's gonna be make hard. way
2: it's going to be hard for uh an underclassman to to really That's why I get, went with their, tail. get their name out there
1: just like, but hey,
2: if anyone can do it, it 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 can be cope all right with that, let's get the defensive <laughs> side of the ball. Scott will go with you this we'll start with you this time, defensive breakout player,
1: all right, kind of same situation, right? Not a lot of guys that uh may get a lot of opportunities um. And Lander Barton. We've crossed Lander Barton off the yes, off the board. Ryan. So Ryan could not pick him because he's he too tried. highly highly. Ryan recruited. tried. Oh, stop it. Yeah, Mr. I'm gonna pick Jalen Glover. Oh, I was <laughs> that was a joke. Oh,
0: sure it was.
1: Okay, you two calm down. This is my time. Okay? <laughs> this whole podcast is, has been your <laughs> time. This is my time for my breakout player, okay? All right, I'm going with Sioni Vaki Now He's playing behind Cole Bishop, so that does not bode well cuz Cole's a stud and probably not going to give him a lot of reps. But I'm taking a flyer. I think Sionivaki has got a bright future at Utah. We may not see it this year, but just remember, even if it's 2 years from now, he's going to be a he's going to be a dude it doesn't count for your
2: breakout if it's not this season. Those oh, they carry over. I'm putting it out there. The, <laughs> carry
1: over the 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 fine print d- carries. They over. They do not
2: carry over. Oh, no, they do. Well,
1: I I wrote the rules. I, then I pretty... get
2: then I get okay. So then this year I get Connor O'Toole as well because I ha- I picked him last year. No, you even though he changed positions,
1: the, he <laughs> changed <laughs> offense to defense. It doesn't matter. The fine print, print it clearly says same side over. of the ball. It carries over. Ryan, who do you have on defense?
0: Same side of the
1: ball. <laughs> you start over when you switch. From offense to defense. All right, it's my, my time. It's I'm my not time. I'm talking to Scott anymore. can't double stamp a triple stamp. <laughs>
0: All right, I'm going with the sophomore and defensive end, Miki Suguturaga. He is going to
1: be a stud. Hey, He's wait, gonna... wait. Cam, can you say that name? This is Ryan's time to speak. <laughs> Ryan, would you like to give him time to say the name? Go ahead, Cam. Miki. Go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> We'll we'll he's, wait. Cam, it's not a blanket. We'll wait. Saga Tugu. Yes, nailed it. Well, you, you that was like a half effort. You didn't even try the last part of the name. Come on. Miki Suguturaga. Suguturaga. <laughs> Repeat after me. It's my favorite part of the podcast. Anyway,
0: from a from a playing standpoint, he's my guy.
2: Let me tell you why you both are wrong. Jonah Ellis is going to dominate the line of scrimmage this year.
1: Okay, I, we will allow Jonah Ellis, but he kind of broke out last year. Let's do a quick poll. <laughs> yep, everybody agrees. <laughs> He was last year's breakout player.
0: <laughs> I love how he waited till you called it. <laughs> Fine, okay.
1: <laughs>
2: he's still my number one, but I'll go again. Connor O'Toole, backing up Van Villinger. Oh, did right I
1: talk end. you he's off probably, of Jonah that quickly?
2: He's probably not going to get as much reps as Van, but I think Connor, with his speed and his size. Moving him over, I think, was a smart move. Get him on the field where he can be productive. So I'm confused. Are you going
1: with Jonah or are you going with Connor? I have both.
0: Wait a minute. I, had the I want fine two print, choices then, and I two. The two.
1: <laughs> yeah, let me review this fine print. Yeah, that's a mistake.
2: <laughs> All right, those are our breakout players uh, for the year. We'd love to know your breakout players. You can always hit us up on Twitter at UtahManPodcast. All right. So before we end this episode, give our picks for the Utah Florida game. So Utah's traveling down to Gainesville to take on the Gators. Utah currently a two and a half point favorite.
0: I think it went up to three today, actually. Ooh,
2: I, three points! That I'll, I'll take that for you. Three by in. three, Scott. Who do
0: you got? What's your score? I hope to keep things going the way they. Will. Scott's going to pick against Utah.
1: Well, that's true. That is kind of how I finished <laughs> last year, right? Is I I did pick against Utah. Um, but it just doesn't feel right. New season, new. New season, new vibe. The chomp. The Gator chomp will not prevail. I think the Utes, man. I think... Uh, I think we're going to see some wrinkles, some new wrinkles that we haven't seen. I think we're going to see us pound the ball. I think you're going to see tight ends running down the seam. And I think Utah is going to come away victorious with a 10-point victory. I'm going to go 31-21 Utah.
0: All right, Ryan, what do you got? I am also going with my Utes. And I do think Utes win double digits also i also think it's a 10 point game but i think it's a little bit higher scoring scott i've got
2: 34 24 i'm i'm thinking those same lines as you guys i have utah 30 florida 21 ryan where can people find you on twitter
0: they can find me at drum and feather that's drum the letter and feather
2: and scott
1: you can find me at u uh, underscore forever.
2: You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. You can always catch us wherever you listen to a podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We are there in our home at UtahManPodcast.com. And hopefully Utah gets a big win over the Gators. And go
1: Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. You'll be tell I die. kai We're good. Let's cut it.
0: The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.